Hey guys, welcome back to the channel where we help you figure out your psychological issues. Mostly this means bring clarity to them. We're not going to know how to manage them until we are clear exactly what our psychological issues are, exactly what emotions are, exactly what are the fundamental principles behind our behavior. We bring a lot of clarity to that and then solving the issue, doing whatever it takes to uh, yeah, work through the issue, to process the issue, to become more aware of it that is secondary. First, we need clarity. Another topic we need clarity on is evil, I think. So I got a question this week about, yeah, what is the nature of evil? There's a couple here. We'll go through them uh, on whether evil exists. So, you know, the, the classic example is Hitler. Was he evil or was he, uh, you know, j just did he have psychological issues? Was he a little boy tyrant who never grew up and try to boss around a country or try to boss around a whole continent the way that you know little kids try to boss you around which is endearing when you're a little kid but when you know you're a grown man it's a little bit less endearing that, that's my strong stance of the day hitler is not endearing another question about just whether good and evil exist or, or whether they're merely coping mechanisms whether good and evil are products or our agency or whether they're subject to our free will do we have the choice to to act either good or evil, and then whether to judge virtuous behavior as good and evil behavior as bad. So I think we're going to get to these questions in due time, but first I just want to lay out a foundation. Let's just lay out the fundamentals of how I approach this issue between good and evil, right and wrong, correct and incorrect, healthy and unhealthy, however you want to describe it. I'm going to lay out how I see it, and then I think once we lay out the fundamental, you know, the principles behind uh, through which we can have this discussion, then the discussion will take care of itself, not unlike your psychology. So I think this goes back to first, you know, the problem of evil, which uh, typically the problem of evil is described as how can, so if God exists, you know, this is 12th century scholastics arguing, uh, if God exists, how can he let bad things happen? How can God, who exists, we know that he exists, you know, in the mind of the 12th century is classic, how can he let evil happen? And a good answer to this, I mean, I talk about this in, in my answer to Job. Because maybe God, if we take that term psychologically, is letting you know that you are off track, for instance. Or maybe God is using evil to strengthen you. I mean, there's various answers to this, which all are, or I think most are, you know, psychologically true. And I think the problem with those answers, and we're going to talk about it today, is when we mix up psychology and philosophy. But I think the real problem of evil, the problem of evil, the modern problem of evil, the new problem of evil, how it presents to us today is how can evil exist all around us, whether Hitler, Stalin, Mao, you know, these dictators, or, you know, what we've seen more of, I don't know if we've seen more of, but we just get more news coverage in America today as, you know, mass shootings or school shootings. I mean, this is a problem that we, we definitely feel the ramifications of this problem, that evil exists, we sense on some level that evil exists, yet it's unclear, yet it's impenetrable, impenetrable, yet it's abstruse, not obtuse, but abstruse, you know, how, how can this thing that really impacts our life, a school shooting, how can it exist? How can we continue to let it exist? How can we continue to let it happen? And I think Part of the reason is we have a difficult time defining what it is we're even talking about. I think of 
you know, examples just to let you know where I'm going with this or, you know, help you to just see my thought process behind this is with Heisenberg, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, which in a sense says we can't know the location and the velocity or the momentum of a subatomic particle at the same time. In a sense, there are these subatomic particles going around. Maybe he's talking about photon. Uh, it's been a while. And we, we can't predict where it is. Right? In a sense, by trying to measure it, we change where the, the subatomic particle, uh, where we see it. Uh, and people take this to mean that reality, in a sense, is unknowable. That reality is this thing out there that is subject even to our consciousness. But Heisenberg wasn't saying that at all. What happens is, is people who don't, don't fully understand what Heisenberg, or maybe they do understand, I'm not making a claim about that, but they, they can't classify what Heisenberg was doing. Heisenberg was making an epistemological claim, perhaps just a technological claim saying that we don't have the instruments to measure where photons are going to be. We, we can't know their momentum and their velocity. Or, excuse me, their, we can't know their momentum and their position. Right? We don't know. Now, that is a claim about epistemology, how we have limited epistemology in this certain subatomic context. But people take that to mean reality is this thing that is ultimately subject to our consciousness. That is a mistake or a conflation between epistemology and metaphysics, right? You take this epistemological claim of Eisenberg and then you make it mean something about the nature of reality itself. Similarly with Benjamin Labette, don't call him Labet, and his experiment that supposedly disproved free will that, you know, that Sam Harris, I mean, it's just one of those things where, I mean, Sam Harris is simply not a serious thinker if he mistakes this, but what Benjamin Labette showed, and a bunch of experiments showed this, that there are some you know, uh, mental processes that happen before we make a decision, or before we think we make a decision, whatever it is in the experiment, to press a button, for instance. I, I forget exactly what it was. It doesn't matter. But clearly there are some mental processes going on before we think there are mental processes going on, in a sense. And what the Sam Harris types do, because they're trying to affirm their materialist brute, uh, their worldview of, of brute materialism, they say, ha, see, this means that free will doesn't exist. And all Benjamin, Labette was not saying that. I mean, go read what he originally wrote. He was not saying that at all, and rightly so. He was making a claim about there are some issue here, that there's some epistemological issue, that there's some difficulty we have gaining knowledge of, of of mental processes and, and you know uh, and yeah because we don't know that much about neuroscience we simply I, I would argue we simply do not have the technology to know that much about neuroscience I mean we know some things fMRI machines can be pretty useful um, so what the Sam Harris types do right is they take that epistemological claim of we don't know what's going on and they turn that into a metaphysical claim because we don't know what's going on in this one experiment that took place in the 80s Therefore, we can make a metaphysical case or, or, or we can make a metaphysical judgment of what man is. He doesn't have free will. And I think this is very similar with a, a lack of clear distinction between philosophy and psychology. I mean, just to define these terms broadly, which is crazy to me that we have such a difficult time simply defining what philosophy is and psychology is, you know, let alone defining emotions and saying exactly what those are. Philosophy is how 
man is how we relate with reality psychology is how we relate with ourselves right there's this huge revolution this huge shift called the enlightenment which i think is a really important you know it said knowledge is power not only can we have knowledge of the external reality but it is powerful we can use it right it is efficacious in a sense um Yeah, but there, there, there's this, so that's how we relate with reality. But then there's this other aspect of it of, well, it's a difficult to relate with reality when we have a difficult time relating with ourselves. And of course, we all experience this. If we have a goal that we supposedly want or that's supposedly important to us, um, like getting an A in calculus. So, okay, that, that's supposedly important to us. That's our goal. Uh, but if we get up in the morning and just spend two hours on YouTube, uh, that is our psychology, right? We have a poor relationship with ourselves, and because we have a poor relationship with ourselves, it's difficult for us to relate with uh, reality. So philosophy, all that deals with is just ideas. The intellect, principles, in the, in the context of good and evil, typically falls in the term of ethics. What or how should we live our life? You know, what's the best way to live our life? You can tell somebody's talking about ethics uh you know particularly normative ethics in context not normal but you know what what is a prescriptive way to act in the world when they use the word shit they're not talking about psychology they're talking about philosophy uh, however there's the other part of that which is well why is it when we know what the right thing to do is supposedly we can't bring ourselves to do it and this is the question of psychology and i think this will help us clear up these four questions this listener has about the nature of evil so evil you know i amalgamated various definitions that i found mostly to suit my purpose here but i think this is a good overall definition is something that is profoundly immoral and by immoral i would say something that goes against our nature this is not the naturalistic fallacy to say anything that we see humans do in quote nature is natural or is therefore good because it's natural. I'm not saying that, but based on the nature of what man is, and we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into the nature of what man is, but let's just agree that there can be a nature of what man is. And so to act in accordance with that nature would be uh, good or ethical or healthy or correct. And to act against that nature would be evil, but there is a supernatural connotation to evil, especially with the intention, especially with the intention of the evil action. And of course, we see this because, uh, right, right. I mean, the outcome doesn't matter as not that the outcome never matters of a certain action that determines whether we uh, say it's good or evil. But, you know, you have a guy driving through a crowd of people. Is that a good or an evil action? Well, it's probably not good, but we can't really say whether it's evil because well, what was the guy trying to do? Let's say he was actually, he didn't like these people and he was trying to kill them. Okay, that would tend to be more evil than the guy who was driving his car and he had a heart attack and he accidentally drove through a whole crowd of people. It, you know, the outcome of those two situations can be exactly the same, you know, 13 people die. One, you want them to lock that guy up in jail for the rest of his life. The other, there's nothing evil about him, just something unfortunate happened and he feels terrible that this thing happened and yeah, you would, you know, 
the ultimate test is you would let him watch your kids, you know, or, or that wouldn't impede your judgment of whether he could watch your kids. Well, maybe because <laughs> he may not be that healthy. Um, but um, so that's the background. That's the background is there is this distinction between philosophy and psychology. Just like there's a distinction between metaphysics and epistemology. And, and our claims start to sound very strange, start to sound very strange and unhelpful when we mix those two, two up. This has been, happened tons throughout the history of philosophy, of course, because psychology wasn't defined as a separate field and, you know, until about 150 years ago. So Plato, who I think is just a terrible philosopher, just awful awful philosophy you know like there's this world of forms out here that's ultimate truth and, and that's truth and capital t truth and we only know the world of forms so it's reflections here in the world i mean what he's in a sense saying is we don't have a healthy relationship we can, we don't have a direct relationship with reality which is ultimately the point of philosophy in the first place but i think plato is a brilliant psychologist he just didn't know it and, and a lot of really strange and unhelpful philosophy that you would think, man, why would anybody write this? You look at it from a psychological lens or through a psychological lens and you go, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. He's talking about psychology. He doesn't know he is, right? Because this is, you know, Bishop Barclay. Don't call him Berkeley. This is Bishop Barclay writing, but before psychology was even a field, right? So let's go back through these questions and I'm going to try to answer them based on everything I just said. So whether evil exists, was Hitler evil or was he deranged? Or, you know, was he just had psychological little boy, hadn't grown up yet, uh, narcissistic, uh, you know, tyrant, little boy, tyrant kind of issues? Well, he's both, right? Because from a philosophical, I would also say religious point of view, you can say, yeah, that's evil. That action is wrong. What, what Hitler did is wrong. He acted in a way that is not conducive to the nature of what man is. That is evil. And you could say profoundly evil even, you know, to go back to the definition, and you can say that is intentionally. He knew what he was doing. But psychologically, no. Uh, psychologically, you do not have that luxury of just saying evil because psychology is about why. Why do you make the actions that you make? Is it wrong when you say you want to get an A on, on a calculus test and you wake up and just watch YouTube? Is that wrong? Yeah, that's wrong. Probably not evil because it's not profoundly immoral. But we can say that's wrong from a philosophical point of view. But we can, from a psychological point of view, we do not have the luxury of saying that's just wrong because psychology is not about whether the action is right or wrong. It's why are you taking the action in the first place? Evil is a term that lacks clarity. I, that, I guess that goes to the modern problem of evil, which it does not oppose, which does not pose a problem for what psychology is, but it does pose a problem for. Or, or for what philosophy is, excuse me, but it does pose a problem for psychology. So the other question, whether good and evil exist or are they merely coping mechanisms? Well, I guess, what do you mean by existence? I mean, something can't be physically, may not be physically real, but it does exist. Ideas, they're not physically real. I mean, we see representations of ideas and words and maybe actions, but ideas and physically real, does it still exist? Yes, I, I would say good and evil exist. Are they coping mechanisms? Well. Ooh, depends what you mean by coping mechanism, right? I mean, I would say evil, in a sense, anything that you do in life. So let's take the guy who, who drives his car through a crowd of people for the intention of killing them because he doesn't like that those people because, let's say, of their race. 
he is not treating people in accordance with their nature, their nature being, I would say, ultimately, they are individuals, meaning they can create an identity based on what they want to create, not made up by their collective or their tribe or their race in this example. So is that a coping mechanism? Yes, that's a coping mechanism, and this is something that you learn very quickly when you deal with people who have a violent past, is, you know, we look at people who are violent or aggressive in any way maybe assertive to the point of being aggressive where they will go out and hurt people to get their needs met and we think man he is really assertive he is assertive to the nth degree but then you talk to these people for two and a half minutes and it doesn't take that much insight or intuition or clairvoyance to see oh the reason you are acting that way the reason you are so violent in getting your needs met the reason you are so violent with your wife or your children isn't because you're really assertive it's because there are some fundamental needs in your life typically emotional needs you can probably assume what those are that you have not gotten met and being violent against your children or your wife or somebody at the bodega that that is your compensation so that way that yeah a coping mechanism is a compensation so is good a compensation or is that a coping mechanism? No, I, you know, there's a secondary emotional payoff. Violence is a great secondary emotional payoff. I, I don't want to go into that now. You know, I was when I was preparing for this, I was thinking this video could be you know, either 10 minutes or 110 minutes. I was trying to go for the 10 minute round. We're already going long and, uh, you know, me talking about how we're going long isn't helping. Um, so, yeah. Is, is good a coping mechanism? No, because it's you're going for a primary emotional payoff. I, I mean, if you're working on a business and, you know, you, you put a lot of work into this business and it's taken you several years to get something up and running and your business is about your ideas and how you can, you know, maybe help people with whatever your, your good or your service is and your business begins to be successful after several years, I mean, and you feel pride, a sense of accomplishment, maybe a healthy self-esteem healthy esteem for yourself, a healthy sense of self-worth because of the work that you did. Is that a coping mechanism? Well, I think that's a pretty derogatory way, a negative connotation on you feel good when you work on something that matters to you, that you thought about. So evil is a coping mechanism. Yes. Evil is a coping. Anytime we see something that is evil, it is people trying to cope in irrational ways. It's not irrational. It looks irrational from a philosophical perspective, but they are trying to get their needs met in an unhealthy way because they don't see what their fundamental needs are. Or maybe they do, but they think, well, it's impossible to get my needs met that way, so I'm going to go and hurt these people. Maybe that will make me feel better. And the thing is, I, you know, I think it probably does make you feel better. I mean... You know, well, we all do this coping mechanism to some degree, like being passive aggressive. It makes you feel better for about two and a half seconds. So evil is a coping mechanism. Good. No. Whether good and evil are products of our agency or our choice. Well, no, not in the moment. Right. And this is why the same Harris types argue that free will doesn't exist. They can kind of get their foot in the door with a lot of especially intellectual types because we can all with reasonable with reasonable amount of introspection see that we are not fully in control of our decisions in the moment, clearly. But what we can do is learn where our decisions come from, primarily our emotions. And then 
develop more of a free will for ourselves in the future. And of course, there is, of course, some small semblance of, of free will in the moment. There needs to be otherwise, as I say in my book, and I also do a, a, a lecture on this or a presentation on this that I released a couple years ago. Just search Animus Empire Free Will, which I talk about uh, any defense of any philosophy or psychology cannot get off the ground without the recognition that there is free will to some degree, right? We need to recognize we, there are certain axioms on which a field is based. Without those axioms, the field could not exist in the first place. One of them being free will. Another one being well, philosophy, like there is some existence out there that we can know to some degree. If, if we can't agree on that, then there's no point to philosophy in the first place. So, um, And then the last question is to whether to judge virtuous behavior as good and evil behavior as bad. Again, I'm just going to leave out the whole discussion of what is good and virtuous behavior, or virtuous and, and uh, bad behavior, or evil behavior. Again, is the action conducive to our nature, what we are metaphysically, or is it not conducive to our nature? So yeah, you can judge virtuous behavior as good and evil behavior as bad. I mean, I think that's fine. But I, I think that's ultimately a philosophical view. I think to really uh, appreciate, if I can use that term, evil, or to understand evil, right? I mean, that's the problem with evil is why does it continue to exist? Yet it just seems like this black box that we can't get into. So in order to help us understand evil, it's good to take the psychological view and relate with it. So yeah, you can judge it as bad. And, and I'm from a philosophical point of view, that, that's probably helpful to do if you're writing a term paper. But it's just not that helpful. You know, it's just not going to be that helpful for your life to judge an evil behavior as bad. You know, to go around whenever there's a school shooting and go, oh, oh, how can this happen? Oh, it's so terrible. Uh, that's not helpful, right? What is helpful is going, hmm, what was this school shooter going through? Let's try to figure this out. And you know, whether we call it good or bad, yeah, we can make a truth claim to that. But what's more important is how can we, of course, relate with it? Not to say that you're as evil as a school shooter or as evil as Mao or, or Stalin or Hitler, but how can you relate with that? Right? Like, uh, I'm sure you've been somewhere where you've had kind of like Hitler kind of thoughts, right? Like, you know, if everybody... Where I am right now, uh, I don't know what's a good example. <laughs> I just, uh, just like a like a swap meet or something. Right? Like if everybody at this swap meet, if they all died, it wouldn't really matter that much. I mean, that's kind of like what Hitler was thinking. You know, society would just be better if there wasn't this group of people. Right? Obviously, incorrect, but we can all relate to that to some degree. Um, and. Uh, if you're just staying in line in Chipotle and there's too many people, you know, if there's just uh, fewer people in the world, I think things would be a lot better. You're stuck stuck in traffic. Uh, I wouldn't go out and kill a bunch of people, but a comet's going to hit Earth at some point. So if a comet's going to hit Earth at some point, I mean, let's at least have it hit Earth in a place where I don't like people and have it not hit a place where I do like people, right? Like those kinds of thoughts. It's like a, a mini Hitler kind of thought. Um, it's just funny. Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, this dark stuff, it's hilarious, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a basis of a sense of humor. So the problem of evil is, of course, a lack of clarity. 
is what I'm saying, a lack of clarity first between philosophy and psychology, what are you even talking about, and then a lack of clarity in psychology. And I think this is, um, of course, you know what I'm going to say here, this is what I do with my emotional diagrams. Right? This is in part what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to explicate evil. I am trying to explicate the irrational. When you do something that is irrational, that goes against what you want, what you supposedly want, there is a reason for that. When you wake up to, support, to study calculus and you just spend all day watching YouTube, there is a definite reason for that, and there's a good reason for that. Philosophy can't help you. Philosophy can just say, oh, no, you, you want to study calculus, then you should study calculus. That's the good thing to do. You know, wasting time on YouTube, that's the bad thing to do. Not helpful. What we need is psychology. What we need is psychology to understand to, to, so we can understand why we, take the, we make the decisions that we do. Why we take the actions that we take. And this is what I attempt to do with my emotional diagrams. If you are acting in a passive-aggressive way, for instance, and you know it's wrong to do, and as you're acting in a passive-aggressive way, well, you're probably not aware of it as you're doing it, but afterwards when you lie down to sleep and you go, oh, God, I was so passive-aggressive with my wife. How, how could she possibly still, oh, God, she's going to leave me because I'm, I'm just such a loser. There's a reason why you're acting passive-aggressive, and it isn't because you wanted to act passive-aggressive. I would argue, specifically in this case with passive-aggressiveness, there was unmanaged anxiety there that that you are maybe not aware of or you're not managing really well so we can help you manage that and then you're going to find yourself just naturally being less passive aggressive so if you want more information on this my explication or my answer to the modern problem of evil my explication of evil of emotions of the irrational supposedly the irrational then you can get my book there's a link in the description and if you're interested in hearing exactly how I apply those principles to therapy, how we get you to process these unconscious emotions that make you do, quote, evil things, or at least incorrect, unhealthy, bad things. We have a way of just bringing uh, continual awareness to our issues so you're able to eventually make the decisions that you actually do want to make with your life. We do free consultations. CanvasEmpire.com slash schedule. And, and there's a bunch of information on my website um, if you just you know want information on what I do first. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you for these questions. Yeah, if you have any other questions for me, Animus at AnimusEmpire.com. You can also DM me on Twitter. That's a good way to go. And remember that when it comes to philosophy and religion too, um, yes, good and evil exist. But when it comes to psychology, it's not good and evil. It's simply clarity and a lack of clarity. I could also say, I could also end this video by saying, I think if, uh, if something's evil, or if you think that something is evil, then that's a sign that you lack psychological awareness.